If you're a listener of the show or follow my Insta account, then you know I'm a huge fan of what Instagram can do for your business. But I also know that it is tough to keep up, even if you have staff who could hypothetically do it for you. At my clinic, we outsource our marketing with Molly Cahill's team. So unfortunately, her agency is full at the moment, but that doesn't mean you can't work with Molly. She has something called the Holistic Marketing Hub, and it is a hybrid done with you program. And it's a one-stop shop for chiropractors and other health and wellness pros to not only learn how to use Instagram effectively, but also includes a massive content library of copy and paste chiropractic and other health captions. It has everything you need for you and your team to up your marketing game while not spending all your time coming up with new ideas. So what if you want to hire someone though to do your marketing for you? You're going to love this. She created a detailed job description with a training schedule, deliverables, and even sample pay rate. So let's say you have a mom in your practice who loves your clinic and is looking for something she can do from home. This is perfect. You can grab the free job description even if you don't join the Holistic Marketing Hub at mollycahill.com forward slash she slays. If you do decide to join the hub, make sure to use code she slays for $200 off. Hey, She Slays listeners, before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick. Um, so we are officially into Lent for those of you who are good Catholics or bad Catholics. I don't know. Do Lutherans do things too for Lent? I'm not, not really. I, I don't know. Uh, all of a sudden, I like, to, you probably don't know this about me unless you're like fully in stock mode. So I went to Catholic schools from fourth grade through high school. But it was because they were the only school that would let me skip a grade. Like we had moved from Arizona. So I skipped third grade. So I blame that on not like pretty much any trivia. I will reference like you guys, I skipped third grade. Like that's when they taught that. So like, I don't know anything about presidents, um, states, geography. I blame there's a lot of stuff that apparently they teach in third grade. I'm just going to keep using that as an excuse. But not my point. So we don't really practice Lent because I'm not really a good Catholic. Uh, I'm actually not a Catholic at all. And, um, but I decided to whip it out this year to the family, just kind of like surprise mom feels like doing Lent. So y'all need to figure out something, you know, I'm trying to turn it into a teachable moment. Um, like this is why we do it. And so our youngest 
tie. <laughs> that kid. Okay, so I'm going through Amy Spolstra's focus training right now because I'm doing the level one certification in a couple of weeks and I'm cramming and it's fine. It's fine. This is how I live in my whole life, feeling like a hot mess and I'm behind. But and just as she's talking about all these things, I'm just like thinking about Ty and she's like giving these examples of uh, like, you know, kids where they may be really sweet, but then they, you know, need things to be their way. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, that's Ty. All right. So anyways, so the whole family comes up with like what they're going to be doing. And um, her, Charlie, Ty's older sister, uh, says that she's going to give up sweets but she's going to give herself like five cheat desserts. So like five times over the 40 days, she will, um, you know, cause like Kirby's birthday's in there. And so, you know, cake. And, and I honestly, I don't know, some of you might be cringing of like, you're missing the whole point by allowing cheat things. But like, I think that it was going to be all or nothing. So I, I would have said a hundred percent. She'd have been like, I'm out. I'm not doing this Lent thing. So she's like, yep, yeah, five times. I'm like, you know what? I, I love that. And we did, we talked about whether it should be cheat days versus a cheat like dessert, single thing. And we decided on single thing. And so Ty's like, yeah. So I think that I'm going to give up sweets during the day, Monday through Friday. <laughs> We're just like looking at her as a family. Like, so like, school like you're just gonna not eat you're not even supposed to be eating sweets at school and she's like well you know unless somebody brings like it's their birthday and like I'm not gonna start it on Valentine's Day because I'll start it the next day and so like, <laughs> sounds good kid yep you just keep on dancing to the beat of your own drum is that is that it I think that's it it's funny because kirby's currently in the room while i'm editing and i know that he's just holding back wanting to answer the questions that i'm like but all right so i don't think i have any updates for you that's it that's it uh oh today's guest so this is brian paris now don't get confused because it is a little confusing so they both work for genesis although we are not talking about technology at all today at all uh, i don't think we mentioned it even once um and Brian Capra was on in January and he also, well, he like runs Genesis. So Brian Paris works for Genesis, different Brian's. Don't worry. This is not like a freaky Friday or rinse and repeat Tuesday or a groundhog's day or any of that stuff. So we are talking about um, kind of, well, it, it gets very like masculine, feminine energy. I think you're going to love this. I now... I'm actually going to steal from him. Like I'm trying not to use masculine feminine energy. And he talks about how he likes using alpha and omega, which I think just works better too, because like as a like alpha type female, like sometimes it gets weird when you're talking about masculine energy or feminine energy with a mat, a man, it can be really demasculinating. We talk about just upcoming generations we solve again basically we just solve a lot of the world's issues today over here on she slays the day so you're in for a good one i will say like i said we don't talk about technology but i love y'all so much but this jill app you know what I, you know what i'm talking about I'm just trying not to get sued uh is 
I know it works really great when you first start up, but like the number of chiros that we are coaching through the multi-passionate chiropreneur right now that are needing to switch because we're talking about streamlining their offices, getting rid of expenses. And we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you can pull that report here. Da, da, da. And they're like, nope, tried that it won't work. So I'm just saying, if you're new, if you're thinking about switching, I would say this is a good, I've been with them for 13 years. Um, so I like them. So, all right, let's, let's find Brian's. All right. Dr. Brian Paris practiced, owned, and operated a chiropractic practice that eventually evolved into an integrated practice with multiple offices. Dr. Paris now helps chiropractors leverage technology to improve their practice with Genesis software. Additionally, he coaches and consults on burnout, helping people recognize, recover, and rebuild. So funny thing about, okay, so I do appreciate someone who can follow the rules when they come on the podcast, because I say, please provide four to five sentence bio you'd like me to use. And we, you know, you know, some people just, just breeze right past that. Did you say four to five paragraphs? So nice and brief, but there must be something because as I'm reading it, cause you also know, I don't read things ahead of time. Again, flying by the seat of my pants over here, people where like all of the B's got replaced with V's, a V as in Valentine's day. Um, and so I was having to ad lib that in the moment. I think I nailed it. Um, all right. Let's pray like good Catholics and bad Catholics and non-Catholics. And we'll get into this really, really cool conversation. I promise you're going to like it. Dear God, thank you so much for the spirit of discipline. Um, and this idea that Lent, you know, gives it. I don't really know uh, what like the main purpose we're supposed to get from Lent is. But I do know that there are some times where... I just really get off the rails um, with self-discipline and I kind of start to float into, you know, like, oh, this omega energy and self-discipline gets labeled this, this almost bad thing of like, it's this alpha masculine energy and it's toxic and we really just need more flow. And then, and I don't disagree with that, but like that is a really slippery slope into comfort and slothfulness and, you know, just taking apart anything that's happening in society right now or any of those of those scripts or narratives we have around good, bad, alpha, omega, masculine, feminine, discipline, go with the flow. Like when we return to like the words of the Bible and what you want from us, like it's to lean into purposeful work and the work is the point. Um, it's not work so you can be this lazy, slothful, gluttonous person on the weekends. I mean, we've all watched Brad Pitt, Seven. Those are some of those deadly sins, right? What's in the box? Um, and so like just a reminder during these days of like, okay, thank you for this opportunity to return to self-discipline, to show that as a sacrifice to you um, and to just to continue being uh, the best version, finding that balance, that constant balance of energies um, so we can avoid burnout and just continue living on fire um, in a purposeful life. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Brian Paris. Enjoy. Okay. So a little bit of background on why I wanted, why I personally wanted to have you on the podcast. So 
the podcast, as I shared, I was on your podcast. So um, as I shared on yours or Genesis's, that this podcast wasn't always, I don't want to say male friendly, but it really started with an origin of like for the women by the women type of thing. And my experience being in a state of, as a successful chiropractor, willing to go have vulnerable conversations is that men have definitely, male chiropractors have been reaching out for the last two and a half, three years being like, I relate and I resonate with this. And the podcast has really transformed. Uh, it's still predominantly female, but there's my, where my interest goes. So does the podcast. Um, and I have really been fascinated with, you know, the conversations that people like Jordan Peterson are having around, you know, I think it was very easy to kind of point a finger during a certain time at like men, like we got phrases like toxic masculinity. And I started using like, you know, I'm a recovering alpha male. And like my personality was like, I'm such a, I, I, mean, I guess I'm a feminist. Sure. But I mean, I, I think if you're like, oh, well, we support women, everybody's a feminist. But like my brain can go to like quickly to be like, I, no, I don't mansplain that, me. I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you that definition because I support women and but yes. I don't know if I'm a feminist, right? Yeah, I don't really know. Well, let's put that as a thing to, to <laughs> add to the, what are we going to tell? What is that? You know, but like my personality tends to uh, be, I'm a hype person. So like if society is telling me like, don't you mansplain me, you white 65 year old male, like my finger gets all wagged. And so like, I feel like I kind of went through that ride. And now I'm like, I see my husband who is so not that and like looking for an atmosphere within his friend group and like people showing up on in the media that he identifies with and is like, you know, where is this space for guys to actually do the work? And so you and I kind of got into it on the podcast and I was like, I would love to go there if you will. Let's go. So yeah. like- Congrats. I, I feel like this could be a minefield for you. <laughs> Not <laughs> like, at all. So no impressed. Way. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's start with like, you had kind of started talking about um, events that you host for men. Or like I don't know, uh, gathering. Not, not myself that I that I host. Um, yeah. But uh, stuff that I have attended. So I would put it as a um, a large category of men's work. Mm -hmm. Um, where there are spaces, whether they're virtual or live, where men gather and work on both energies in the body. And what I mean by energy, so let's talk about polarity and resonance, right? So everyone, every every being on this planet has quote unquote masculine or feminine energy. My teachers use the term alpha and omega energy, not to be confused with like an alpha male. That's a different context, right? I'm the leader of the, the, you know, the big dog. No, I'm not talking about that. So alpha masculine, omega feminine, and we all have those. Now, the way that I look at it and explain it is basically the river bed is alpha. The water flowing through is omega. You can apply that to basically that, that alpha energy is direction, magnitude, get shit done energy. The omega energy is more flow, feel, express, 
movement, chaos. Some people have, regardless of sexual preference or gender, some people have are, are tend to be more omega or more alpha. And in relationships, polarity is what creates attraction, right? You look at a battery, you got a positive and negative charges, and it creates an energy and an attraction. So polarity is what keeps marriages lasting, right? Hopefully. Resonance is where things are operating the same, <clears throat> right? I know your husband works with you, and mm -hmm. there's probably modes where you both are like in the get shit done mode. Like, okay, we got to figure out who's coming on the podcast, what who our advertisers are, what's going on with the clinic, how do we get the kids to after school projects and mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then what's going on this weekend, right? And that's your both in that get shit done mode. That doesn't that doesn't equate to that that spark that creates right. that, you know, that desire, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's polarity. So when you can drop more into your omega and he can drop more into his alpha, if that's what you're more associated with, that's what creates that polarity. Question. Do you yeah. do you think? that it can work where a female identify whatever identify yeah, female yeah. got it can, biological female can, okay right? can they work in reverse so like what what we had talked about is like you know i have learned what's best for our relationship is that i allow space for him to tap into that alpha and for me to learn how to like check out temporarily from the alpha and be more omega and that absolutely has like through marriage therapy, you know, marriage therapy and books and workshops, like that's what needs to work for ours. Can it work the other way? Like, you know, theoretically, I think, yes, just my experience in life and talking to a lot of females biologically, uh, regardless of gender or excuse me, of sexual preference, like some, some people like more, most females that I met, let's say heterosexual Yep. heteronormative females want to want to have that feminine evoked mm -hmm. from them mm -hmm. by the alpha and what that means is the alpha handles the reservation the alpha handles walking her across the street being more still than she is having a deeper breath than pursuing she does pursuing her also pursuing could could yeah. be yeah yeah i mean and, i've and told she, my husband before of like the pursuit even can happen in marriage, you know, type of thing. It's of not course. just in the dating. Yeah. So you think it, well, it can't, it couldn't? can't end just in the dating. Exactly. Wait. So wait, did I answer the question? Because we talked about you. men's work too. We talked about men's yeah. work. We got to dive back into that. Okay. This is more, you know, like intimacy work mm -hmm. and there are spaces just go on Instagram and look this stuff up. There's everyone is a coach in this. So you do have to be careful. You know, like every, everyone who has body parts is like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a intimacy coach now, right? And I'm I think your coach, algorithm is, might be different than mine. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> but because I've been in these spaces, so with men's work, I've also been at live events and virtual uh, experiences, and I'm part of a men's team for the last several years where we meet weekly and have a structured alpha structure where we're able to drop into our own omega and express certain things. How am I feeling? What am I doing? Those are, you know, different ends of polarity. And then we create these structured spaces that allow us to share the same shit that every man is going through. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all the, all the burdens are the same and all the burdens for most women that I know are the same, like, especially people like yourself running a business, running multiple businesses and raising children and being present as a mother. Like all of those things require, I think, sisterhood and brotherhood. And then also just 
camaraderie, like from someone like myself, I have such a deep respect for, for women and humans in general, but for women who are like bearing children and then going back to the table and thumping on spines, like mm-hmm. you're incredible. So do you feel like, okay, so the answer is, yes. so what societal expectations or stereotypes do you think men face when it comes to expressing their masculinity? Like, and then how does that impact their behavior? Great question. I think obviously this is just opinion conversation, right? Yeah. It's just you and I. Nobody even yeah, listens yeah. to this podcast. You know yeah. <laughs> Please comment if you're listening. Um, I, I think it's important to bring up that concept of toxic masculinity, right? And and what is toxic masculinity? For me, it's, you know, my I'm stronger than you, I'm bigger than you, I'm faster than you, my ego, my ego is leading the way. I, you know, leave a trail of tears behind me, you know, and and I've crush been there it. myself. Yeah, 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 crush it. And and instead, like now as I'm wiser and a little older, my brain thinks collaboration, not are you doing better than me or things like that. Because I've gone through a lot of I've hit the bottom and I've built myself back up several times. I've burnt out completely spiritually, creatively, physically, emotionally, and then healed and mm-hmm. brought myself back through that. But being toxically masculine is that that space where, you know, I also think like true masculinity is stillness. Same way. And stillness and breath and holding space. And and what is that? It comes down to trust. Like, does your nervous system trust being in the space with me before your consciousness even knows? That's actually called neuroception. That's a section word. So, but stillness is in, in my mind with that analogy that you gave of like alpha being the movement, the getting like, and I need you to reconcile this for me because like, this is my therapy session here. So like, <laughs> because being still bothers me, like it actively is something that it is why I started reading fiction as like a form of like trying to heal. And I told my therapist, like reading fiction is ruining my life. And she laughed at him like, I'm serious. I'm really enjoying this, but there are so many hours that I am just reading and not getting anything done. And so when you say that- Is that okay? Is that is that okay? I'm trying to make it okay. <laughs> but I'm trying to make it okay, but it's really not. It's this guilt, this lack of productivity that I didn't- yeah move. I didn't do anything. So even like how I'll reconcile it is I'll literally, you know, okay, I'll listen to an audiobook while I'm cleaning my kitchen. Okay. I got something done. Or I worked out while I was reading the book or, you know, just like rode the bike. But when you say stillness is the foundation, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alpha, it's an alpha practice, right? How, so there are, there are feminine practices or right. omega practices. How do you get still? Yeah. How do you get still? How do you, no, how do you? <laughs> uh, how do I get still? Well, for me, I actually did. Um, I went, I knew that I could not get still, could not sit still. But think about it. Like when you watch someone speak, like a public speaker, mm-hmm. and they're all jittery and moving and talking fast. And, you know, it, it you don't feel, you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. They're less, you're less trustworthy. You know, like even as us chiropractors coming in the exam room, you're like, blah, 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 blah. it's like, right. dude, take a breath, be present. Like presence is that stillness that like, and can I handle someone else's emotional outpour and outcry? So for me, 
practicing stillness, I went and did a 10 day silent meditation, like no eye contact, no, no speaking, nothing. It was really challenging too, because I'm in a room full of men and women. And it was like yoga and silence. And through a, a Ramana Maharshi, who was a, was a realized being, I think in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who lived in a cave and like had such depth and stillness where people just were attracted to that, like gravity. And that's the analogy that I've worked with mm -hmm. my teachers, like be presence, like gravity, that depth. And it makes people feel more comfortable being around you. Right. So I don't know what it was like back in like the 1700s. We weren't here. But I find that my guess as to kind of what has happened in the last 50 years is that the pendulum kind of was one way and now kind of like swung another. And that's where we're like, ah, men are the problem. And now we're kind of going like, okay, actually, no, 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 no. That's, we need both. But at the same time, so like, I feel like we are as a society finally kind of in this area where like women have enough like rights to actually talk about this. Men maybe have enough freedom to talk about their emotional intelligence and vulnerability, feeling in a safe space. But at the same time where we as a society are finally maybe at a point to talk about this, simultaneously, our society has, I think, foregone a lot of the passages or like ceremonial passages into womanhood and manhood. So like for women, the birthing of a child is when a girl goes to a woman. It is anybody who's had a non-medicated birth and has like seen like you come out of birth different. You come out of that yeah. experience. And like when you look at evolutionarily, that's a necessary experience. They, they, it is claimed that that is a necessary experience for that female. Now, women are still giving birth. I will say that a lot of the births are completely disconnected from their body, though. So even though women are still having children, I think women are not going through this passage as much. And then men, you guys don't got anything. Like you used to like go into huts and get sent to a mountain and be like, come back in three days, maybe, Bob. Yeah, or... bring me, and bring me back a carcass, right? Right. Well, what happens though, you know, because you bring up a point, what if a woman chooses she doesn't want to have children? Is there still like what other rites of passages are available for her to move into womanhood? Oh, shit. Are you asking me? I I mean, we're having a conversation, right? So I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it depends on what's, what is, so is a rite of passage a necessary thing? Yes. I, is it a, a necessary? One million percent. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've actually gone through one of those too in my older age. And, you know, like the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah mm -hmm. for men and women is, is allegedly a rite of passage. You know, there, there were some things that you had to, you know, I was bar mitzvah, I was raised Jewish. So I, you know, I had to learn another language, write a speech, do all these things. So they, there are little milestones and steps that are taken to allegedly bring you from boyhood to manhood. But I think it's too early. You're 13 years old. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not ready emotionally. Men, men, like we don't, we, our frontal lobes don't come online. I don't think till I, I maybe I was like 40. So <laughs> um, took me, it took me a little while. Um, kind of so, like asking a kindergartner, do you, do you accept Jesus Christ into your heart? And and it's like, sure. <laughs> it's like, great. You yeah, get the jelly bean. Like, it's like, or even like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, yeah. I don't, 
I, I just want to like pick this paste off the carpet, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, and and that that this does all circle back to like being still, holding space for other people, holding space for the omega and, and a woman's emotions, quote unquote, woman. You know, like being able to sit through those things, and even a man, you know, being able to sit and hold space for a man who can cry, who's vulnerable enough to like let his shit out mm-hmm. and not trying to quote unquote fix it. That's where I think that toxic masculinity is like, there is no fixing. There's just holding space. There's just like being present for someone and witnessing them because every human, all we want is to be seen, to be felt and to be understood. Like that, those are like, that's almost like they should be on Maslow's hierarchy. Right. Right. Beyond like our physical needs of breath and food and shelter. Right. It's the emotional, the emotional side. So rites of passage, there are groups out there as well who do rites of passage, desert fast, forest fast, alone time in the desert, things like that. There are, there are a lot of different things out there that are available for men and women separately. I like the idea of rites of passage being for, you know, gender specific or biological specific, regardless of sexual preference. Do you feel like the ultimate goal is the same, but the path to get there is different for each gender? Um, like the hurdles I, to I overcome this, are different? I mean, I can't speak for women. I will. Per se. You in, tell in me that, the men, I'll tell women. Well, I mean, I, I think that the structure is the same. Like if you can be alone, I like the concept of fasting, you know, because food is like remove all distractions and be with oneself. However you get there, that's right. to me is a rite of passage. Like can you be in this world that we are constantly inundated by cheap dopamine? Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes down how to how do both. we remove our and, and it's this does circle back to stillness. Like, how do we get back to that place where I can be still without doing anything, without production? And you asked, how can you do it? I think you should start at like 30 seconds at a time, stare at the wall. Mm-hmm. So You're I think out. I know, like, yeah, in, I'm in like short <laughs> terms knowing each other, short time knowing each other. I know, but but 30 seconds, like try that for 30 right. seconds. Right. Oh, I'll, all right. I'll put it on my to-do list and there, then I'll cross it off other, and be like, about, I was still, well, no, hold on we a second. So, med- real quick. We can talk about meditation. There are other meditation techniques, yeah. things that relatively distract the mind, but the mind never stops. It's like, do you attach to those thoughts or do you let them feelings or do you let them pass by like clouds? Right. right. Watch it Sorry. flow by. Yeah. Um, I think that whether you look at male rites of passage or female rites of passage, there is a pain. The universal is that there is um, there's pain. There is a disassociation from your body of going, mm-hmm. this meat sack is not going to, is not me. It's not my identity. So I can overcome the pain of childbirth. I can overcome the pain of hunger. I can overcome the pain of being in a sweat lodge and dehydrate. Like I can overcome the extreme cold. But I do think that both genders, when you look at like all the different things, like if we came up with 50 different things for men and women that could, you know, qualify as a rite of passage, this pivotal moment, it is overcoming the body and seeing that that is not your identity. And when you start to break down that this is not my identity, I mean, this is as a chiropractor, been something I've been on for a couple of years of just like disassociating from like, my numbers are not my worth. Like it's right. not my identity. And so I would say that overcoming that pain 
or that discomfort, I would say is a pivotal part of qualifying something as a rite of passage. Do you agree? That's why I think it's all, it's always spiritual, right? Like take the ice bath for a second. Like once you say, yes, I'm going to step in this tub, everything else that occurs after those words in your mind are just bullshit. They're Mm -hmm. just chatter. Like just get in. It's really cold. Like it's really really 40, less than, I learned that less than 40 degrees is substantially different than 50 degrees. Like you think you are going to die. You like, you are pretty, you're. But it's a, it's a mental and spiritual game. Mm -hmm. I think if you can, you know, because to me, like many of us, like you said, I agree are dissociated from our bodies. I even taught it in that fashion. I was a CBP doctor and I could look at your spine and your posture and measure it and analyze it. And I forgot that there were people in there. I forgot and probably because of my own, my own essence of like dissociating from my own body. But now, like, as I've done so much work around this, I now use my body as a tool to make decisions here. So it's the concept is embodied cognition. And there's, there's more and more science leading to that, that, that our body actually does feed cognition. So I think our job as a chiropractor, even from a spiritual perspective, is to help people connect to their bodies. So the pain is a connection. Mm-hmm. So the pain that someone's feeling is like, oh shit, there's a body. There's a, the energy and a body in here and they are one. Am I going to let this overtake me or am I going to learn to deal with the pain of hunger if you're fasting, of silence and stillness if you're meditating? Those are all painful, especially for people like us in, in our society who are like, you know, we're used to offices running, everyone coming at us, being needed, producing all of those things. But can we just sit still? As a chiropractor who's deeply passionate about providing the best care, I've got a secret weapon I want to share with you. Genesis Chiropractic Software. My journey with Genesis started 13 years ago, and back then I was juggling insurance claims and Genesis was a lifesaver. It streamlined the whole insurance process, making it seamless and stress-free. But here's the kicker. Even after I transitioned to a cash-based practice, Genesis continued to be an indispensable part of my clinics. Why do I stick with Genesis? Because it's more than just software. It's a comprehensive solution that adapts to your practice's needs. When I went from one clinic to two, it could have been a logistical nightmare. But thanks to Genesis being cloud-based, I can manage both clinics effortlessly, anytime, anywhere. It keeps me on top of my patient records and provides invaluable data to analyze the health of my clinics. The insights help me make informed decisions to continually improve. And now I'm excited to offer something special to my She Slays listeners. When you visit genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays, you'll get an exclusive discount on Genesis Chiropractic Software. Whether you're dealing with insurance or running a cash-based practice, Genesis is the versatile tool that will elevate your chiropractic business. So don't wait. Take your practice to the next level. Head over to genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays for your exclusive discount. Trust me, with Genesis, you're not just surviving in your practice, you're thriving. Hey, She Slayers, real quick. If you're in the scaling stage of practice and your clinic is looking for an associate, be sure to check out advertising on my Instagram and Facebook socials page. It can take months and months to find the right fit for your clinic, and posting anywhere and everywhere you can can shorten the amount of time that that takes. So in addition to posting on Facebook groups and state association classifieds, 
Get your ad viewed by thousands of chiropractic students and new grads who follow She Slays the Day. Click the link below to apply for next month's ad. We only take nine each month and it's first come first serve. And if you're a student or new grad who wants to make sure you get those monthly ads, click the other link below to make sure you get each month's new job listings delivered straight to your inbox. Back to the episode. Well, and I think that it's one thing to look at like the hyperproductive person and be like, oh, you really struggle with stillness. But like as a society, do you feel like we are becoming very soft and just avoiding discomfort? I mean, so even someone who has no problem getting nothing done, they're not sitting and meditating. That person is likely scrolling all day. So yeah, they're not being the still either. And being like, yeah, oh yes. yeah, you're still, but you're so, not what we're talking about. And like, as a society, are we just, especially in America? Um, I yes. I, I'm going to give you an all caps. Yes. Did you, did you ever see the movie Wally? Yeah. Right. And you know mm -hmm. what the humans become where their bones mm -hmm. don't even work anymore. Yep, red drink, blue drink. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of, I, I feel like I'm a vestige, you know, and I know you are too. Like, like, I'm like, Hey, I like eye contact and handshakes and hugs. You know, I like videos on when we're having a meeting and, and those types of things. I think that's important because it's human connection. It's basic human biology. We have not evolved out of that yet. And I hope we never do because that's what keeps us human. So yeah, I think we're becoming soft. And I also think that men are becoming soft. Well, we kind of did that to them as a society. Yeah, we told them, yeah. you know, Be we softer. told them like <laughs> women aren't going to be attracted to you if you have a trade job. You need to go get a four-year education degree, or you know, that's that's the path to. It seems like every woman that I meet loves firemen and like construction workers. So I don't know. <laughs> I know. Um, but no, like yeah, we we really did kind of do that to men of saying like, you're not going to be, you need to be smart. Uh, and electricians aren't smart or, you know, like whatever we kind of said. And I think that that's kind of unraveling too, of like, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about like, we need like, okay, we got to stop attacking the man because women are not signing up at the same rate to go into the military, to climb the poles, to get down into the sewers. Like our entire grid system will fail if we kind of keep the allowing men keep telling them that their masculinity is the problem and kind of like funneling them into being soft and so then it's just like how do we reconcile this in real time because and these are like no then there's no polarity right soft men women aren't attracted to and then if you have no polarity there's no desire and then there's no procreation of species so we do have a, a problem so i think we're seeing that yeah <clears throat> Let's let's redefine masculinity, you know, and redefine what it looks like. Someone who can be present and be still like gravity and feminine flow like water or omega, which, you know, we're going to interchange those terms here. So I think there's a lot of work for our society to do. And, and, you know, a lot of men are afraid to be vulnerable and talk about their losses or their feelings or their love for their children or cry. I have a secret to crying though. What? Do you um, cry easily? You ever... on a, no. Is it on an airplane? No, 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 no. It's you know, research shows it's easier to cry on an airplane. I sleep on airplanes. Oh, okay. I try right. a lot. <laughs> All right. What's your secret? The movie Interstellar. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. Oh, watch that. Yeah. There's, um, I, the music starts and I start crying. 
oh. my kids are like, my daughter looks at me, she's like, dad, come on already. Like, yeah. Anytime a movie for me, this is me like time travel and love. I'm crying, but no, I don't cry easily. But I, as I've aged also, I've become more in touch with my own body, my own empathic abilities. So like sometimes someone will cry and I'll feel my own eyes starting to tear up and like being in that feeling with that person. Yeah. I'm no longer uncomfortable by it. Um, I think that that is something that Oof. in my journey to becoming, I'm uncomfortable with myself crying and I, mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable with somebody. I once had a brand new doc cry loudly in public, like as the community was just getting used to her. And I was just like, you are a doctor in this town. You cannot like get your shit together, go to your car and cry. But like, you cannot, this is not appropriate. And so, but like as becoming a softer leader and therefore a stronger leader, uh, more Omega leader, I should say, uh, that was something that I needed to sit with that like my employees, you know, nobody would argue that like a good leader needs to really hear their employees. We're like, yeah, totally, totally. Yep. I get it. I hear it. I, you know, we do monthly meetings, but like, do they Are feel really heard? Listening? Right. Yeah. Do they feel heard? is a different question than did you hear them? Because my personality is like, yeah, I walked away from that and they want, uh, blah, 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 blah. they want this and they want coffee in the break room. Great. And it's like, but they may walk away from that meeting being like, she thinks coffee in the break room is the gist of it. And so, you know, that has definitely been a part of my journey of going like, okay, do they feel safe? So it wasn't, and again, it wasn't just going like, okay, I'm no longer, I don't have a problem with them crying. Okay. But that's half of the equation. Do they feel like they can trust me? Am I being still enough and holding space for them that they feel safe crying? So it's not just like, I won't yell at them and make fun of them for crying. It's like, no, 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 no. Have I created an energy in which, and that's when they can start to feel heard is, is not until they feel safe enough with me, like it's, or it's, it's when they feel safe enough that they can fully express that, that then they feel air quotes, maybe it's not heard. It's, it's seen. I think it's all, I mean, it's everything heard, seen, felt, you know, it depends if someone's more kinesthetic or auditory or visual, but it's, it's all, they're all the same. It's like, can you be with me? And can you be with me while I'm in my shit? And do I feel safe to reveal that? Sometimes the workplace doesn't allow for that, but this is like leadership 2.0 training. Like mm -hmm. I didn't get any of this till way after any of that. And it's, it's, I think many of the women that I've met in our profession are like yourself and some other leaders, fem female leaders in our profession, in the chiropractic profession. Like I've seen them have a really cool balance of that alpha and omega, like where they'll get shit done and adjust a hundred people in a day and, you know, go out and do a screening and then talk on the weekend and then also give space for their employees to reveal what's going on, you know, what might not be working, whatever that is. But it's, it's, that's where I think it comes into all of this comes into play is like, if, is there a unity of that? And is there a balance? And how do you, how do you, but play? it's easier for women. So like, I would love to hear from you because like, that's basically like, I can be it all, right? Like, I think it is truly easier for women. Oh yeah, like, look, she can go do this and this. And then she also has sex with her husband six times a week and has dinner on the table. Like that's <laughs> a, that's a medal for us. But for men, I would love to hear an experience because like, let's say that you are working. So like 
okay, I'm a, I'm a alpha boss and I'm trying to figure out how to sit down with a female CA of mine and become more Omega. Okay. You know, I'm not saying it's easy, but like easier than I am imagining you being an alpha boss sitting down with another man. And I would love to hear something that like maybe specifically you had to overcome or learn how to approach it because that doesn't sound as easy for the man to tap into the Omega in that situation. Does that make well, sense? That yeah, it does. It does. And I think I want to, I want to clarify it, meaning that I think I actually, in those instances, I had to become more masculine, Ooh. more what? alpha. Okay. Meaning I had to be stiller, hold a deeper presence so that someone else could express themselves and leading with curiosity. Now it's different than me being vulnerable and expressing myself. That's a different, right? You know, like when I, when I present on stage, I lead with vulnerability and that's done on purpose because I want to show the audience. Yes, I'm on stage. So like when people are on stage, they're already on stage. So you did something to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't want to shame the audience because I have something that I want to relay to them. I want them to understand my point or buy what I'm selling on stage, quote unquote. So my intention is to be vulnerable and share some of my pains and some of my losses so that so that I'm on equal playing ground. Now, I like being a, a boss, quote unquote, you know, running a practice. I found in my later years in practice that I would have to be more still and shut up ask a question and let someone express themselves. So I don't think it was a perspective of me being more Omega or feminine. I physically would ask a question and do this so I could shut myself up because mm -hmm. I've been talking nonstop, right? You know, but it, it, it's really like, and, and I've, I've literally taken courses on becoming a more empathic listener. And it all comes down to like being radically curious, like taking a question that you ask or something that you said, and then pulling that and then pulling more and seeing what threads come out of it, which mm -hmm. is where this, how this conversation got here. It feels like, it feels like we're like both genders are striving to get to the center. Like it's almost, I, I understand. I definitely understand the polarity aspect. Like that makes complete sense. But when we're talking about like, you have all these people on a different spectrum and what they need a little more of the person who empathy come and vulnerability comes really easily. They need more of something that this person has. And, and so it's like, are, do you think that men and women are basically striving to get to the same characteristics of wholeness? Like is being a whole human the same, regardless of men or women? And then where's the polarity in that? Yeah, well, it's, I, it, easy it's question. Not I mean, it's, come well, on. Yeah, totally easy questions. <laughs> Hopefully my teachers will be proud of me when they, God, they listen to this. But really hard I, question. I but you're talking in terms of static, like black and white. Nothing exists that way. It's like you've you've dissected the full human body. The bicep doesn't exist by itself, right? All the tendons are mixed in with the fascia, connected to all other areas. So everything is is unified. So we we break it down into its parts to study it and understand it like in this dualistic thinking, but really in a, in a unified thinking where we are all one, you know, you can break that even mm -hmm. into more of a society. Like we are all one, like truly the change that we want to see in the world. I forgot who said this quote, but uh, you may be, but it's like, start with yourself and it ripples and ripples and ripples. 
So I think I don't think there's a final destination to reach. I think, you know, in romance, romance doesn't last without polarity. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. You know, like when polarity ends and you're living with your best friend, that that's right. That's where romance ends, right? But that like how do you and and again, it's different for each person, but like that spark, that desire that's needed. And I think there's also like that polarity is important, you know, in in the right barriers in a, in a workplace as well, and understanding like, okay, I'm going to hold more space so you can express yourself. And right. I don't talk to my 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 employees like I didn't tell them about this. I just got quieter and asked. Right, you don't tell people. Questions. I'm changing. I'm going to become yeah. more empathic. Right. Okay, so I want to ask it a different way though, because, all right, so let's say that uh, you are designing uh, a video game where <laughs> you have a man and a woman, and they're going to be married and you have to like set their personalities and strengths and weaknesses. And so you have, you know, 50 different strengths and, you know, empathy, communication, we'll just take the strength finder strengths, uh, competitiveness. And you are creating on each one of those, you know, certain levels. Are you going to on some, so are you going to give like, okay, I'm going to give the man 70% of the competitiveness and the woman 30% or like, is the goal for ultimate, I don't know, human, yes, to be everyone is it's 50, 50. Like, is it, I don't, I don't don't think that's the goal because each person has an entire history Mm -hmm. of trauma and experience that makes Mm -hmm. them one way or another. And they're born certain ways, right. With more preferences of, you know, it depends how you think about that. So I don't, I don't think it's like, I don't think the goal is 50, 50, everyone split be kind of boring. Right. And it it does. You're right. It doesn't allow for innate, you know, like certain God-given things of like drive or, you know, to really be expressed. Yeah. And and I I do think it's, you know, like I'm the youngest of three brothers. I'm the most vocal. I'm the most dramatic. I'm the most sensitive. And I got tortured because of all of that. And then on that same end, like I didn't know how to emotionally regulate myself when I was being tortured. So it took many, many years to figure all of that out. That formed me. Right. Like I had to be funny. I had to be louder because I was way younger than everybody. So it just like formed my whole being. But I think I was born more sensitive. Like I'm, thank God, I'm other, like I don't drink milk and I don't have gluten. Like, because all those things affect my body. And when they're causing me to be inflamed, I can't get feedback from my body. I lived like that for years until I figured this out. And, you know, that's, that's just been my experience and my path, but I think those are all, and, th- and that helps us as practitioners too. Right. Like, like if someone's walking into your office, yeah, they have pain, this and that, but like if their whole essence is inflamed because of the food they're eating, like how much help can you give them? Right. Without changing that. Okay. So can you walk me through an example, not asking you to overshare in your relationship or anything like that, but like, you know, a, a specific trait that is not equal between you and your partner, you know? So whether it is competitiveness, drive for societal achievement, whatever it is, that's not 50-50. That is definitely, you know, somebody's got 70-30, 80-20. And then how you allow space for that complete difference in the relationship without judgment. Because I'll give you the context. I am the, like, I think my husband would be totally fine if we just lived a 
a simple life. We weren't in debt, but like he doesn't need like his experience, like I need experiences. I need that. And he, he doesn't, and that doesn't make him wrong. Society would say he's the loser and I'm the winner though. Right. So like when we look at it, like I, we know that we know that's not true, but like I'm 80% of this, like go, go, go. And so within us, like it is skewed and we've had to overcome like, I'm not wrong, but neither is him, neither is he. And how do we hold space for both of us that are very, very different in this relationship? I'm going to go, I'm going to circle this back to you. I was trying me. to make it about you. <laughs> no, I know. And I'm making it about you because I think this is more important. Like, are there, are there aspects where you just feel like you're doing too much shit and you disconnected from your own body? I feel like there's had to be a lot of work of realizing, you know, there was a lot of work of what, what is the end goal? Like what the kind of getting off the separating the core values of freedom and like, no, it's not fueled by greed. It's fueled by a lust for life. Like maximizer is definitely a strength of mine. It's like, you know, and so it's figuring out how to go like, have conversations with like, is this because of greed? Is this because of wanting to impress people? What is the root of that desire for me? Drive. Yeah. Of that drive. The drive to want to be yeah. quote unquote successful yep. and make money. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, look, I think money, this is my opinion. It just makes us more of what we are. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're a jerk, you become more of a jerk. You know, and if you're generous, you become more generous when you have more money. And I also think money, money allows us to do cool things. I think a lack right? of money. And I don't know. I, I agree with that to a certain point. I think that nobody is their true self when they're in fight or flight. And when you are very much financially yeah. struggling, you are not your true self. So I think that like, if you're in a situation where your marriage, you're fighting about why did you spend $150 at the grocery store? Like, that that's not going to be anybody's best. But I do agree, like once you kind of get out of that fight or flight of finances, then an extra 100K isn't going to change anything, you know, type of thing. Right. I want to bring us back on track. Yeah. Is that- I'm proud of you. We're, Good job. I don't, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want us to, money's a separate conversation. We can yeah. do that for the next question. But we were talking about like, well, you had asked in my personal life, like how do I create that balance or the harmony between my partner that and one can, of you isn't better than the other for having that. Oof. I know these are like. I, I think it's like, do you feel settled and comfortable in your body? Like that's the litmus test, right? Do I feel anxious all the time when I'm around you? Or do mm -hmm. I feel calmer from a from like a romantic partner perspective? Like, right. Do I feel more calm around you? Or do I feel more anxious? Is there like a power struggle? Or can I be whole and you be whole, and we have this interdependent relationship versus a codependent relationship. One person being better than the other, I think that's a perspective of competitiveness. Yeah, I would I would say Coming like from, when I say that, I mean society has certain traits. America has certain traits that we promote, or you know, first world countries that we're just like, okay, nobody's better, but 
the person who built a million dollar company is better than the unemployed person who can't keep a job, right? Like society has this, this thing. So I'm not saying that within my marriage that, but like, I guess first step is you have to overcome like, what's the litmus test for that well, and also and the, society the, the reliance and also the reliance on external situations or people to determine your own worth mm-hmm. i think that's you know and and i believe that you know when i talk to because i've been divorced i've had heartbreaks and you know you name it um when i talk to young couples getting married i'm like start therapy now on yourself mm-hmm. like work on yourself i got married so young so i didn't have time to like really work on myself i like got married opened a business had kids and it didn't give me time to work on me. So I had to find that. And I distracted myself with other things until I finally got divorced. And it was like, oh shit, now I'm now I'm working on me all mm-hmm. the time. So I think it takes a, like as a couple, a partnership have to take a step back out of society and say, like, what is most important to us? Fuck society mm-hmm. and what they think is important and who should be doing this or that. I was just with a couple the other night where the man is in the mortgage industry and it's doing horrible now. And he was the breadwinner and, and the woman is in nursing. And so now he's taking care of the kids and she's working mm-hmm. until mortgage rates change, you know? So I think it's a constant flow, ebb and flow. Two questions there. So first one is like, obviously anytime a marriage ends, it is multifactorial. Um, do you think that... Because we glorify, like we still talk on, like people on stages within the chiropractic profession, specifically we're talking here about like, do the guy who does health talks multiple times a week for new patients and he doesn't get to see his kids and put them to bed. You know, we kind of, we simultaneously glorify that hustle to build the most impact within a chiropractic clinic. Are you with me so far? I'm tracking you. Yes. Do you think your focus, like, was, were you too focused on that? Was that yes. part of? Well, yeah, I, I, I ignored my relationship, mm-hmm. you know, when I had kids early business early, I think I was 27 when I started my practice, Yeah. you know, and I hustled a couple of years up until then and then had kids at 29 and 30. So you know, it was all happening at once. I think the kids, you know, I was present as much as I could be for the kids. But I think that's like, and it, it's, I know it's what you teach as well. It's like, you can have it all. I'm going to shamelessly plug Genesis too, because mm-hmm. that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. But like, if 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 you're in practice and you're not leveraging technology- Cue the Genesis paper, uh, ad. Which, I said, yeah. cue the Genesis ad. <laughs> cue Genesis ad, right? <laughs> but seriously though, I mean, if you're, if you're like trying to do your- I used to walk around with like a file cabinet calling insurance companies in between patients when I was first started, like a hundred square feet. So like, you know, I had to do that in the early, early stages, but there's ways now where you can cheaply get into leveraging mm-hmm. things- so that you can't have that. So did I focus too much on, let's break it down to this, like burnout. And I don't, I think one of the societal issues that we're experiencing now, especially in our profession, is that burnout becomes like a, a badge of honor or a badge of courage. And like, I disagree, like a dysregulated nervous system should not be the direction you want to go so that we just rot and age. Like I, I want to ski and surf and free dive till I'm a hundred, till I hit the dirt. 
Like I, so, so like I've, I'm done with burnout being a commonality for myself. Do you think the old school, uh, I mean, the greats, the Reggie Golds, the Sigafood, all insert name. Do you think that they dealt with burnout? Yeah, I do. And I think that they have like an amazing level of fortitude and also intelligence to know that grit alone, right? Because that's what you're talking about is that hustle. Grit alone is not sustainable. You have to stack other things on top of that. So I think that their passion was stacked on top of that. Their ability to get into a flow state with adjusting hordes of people, you know, allowed them to say like, okay, I can continue to work. Cause I know some of the the greats still that are existing and they hustle hard into their sixties and seventies, but they're in eighties and they're just working smarter. So I think there is, a, there is. A but we aren't asking them there. about their marriages. Personal life. Like yeah. we're not asking about like <laughs> their, yeah. can you Relationship be, with their kids. Yep. Absolutely. Can you be a dysregulated chiropractor that regulates a thousand people a week? I think so. No, I think I, you, like, I think on paper you can be, I think well, you can yeah, go yeah, on a I stage agree, I was, and write a yeah. book and say like, yeah. I point. am this. And it's like, it's difficult when we, you know, start looking at that whole human experience. But here was my second question to capstone it. So like, there's that grit of starting. And if you, it's like this, this um, pit uh, ditch on both sides of the road, right? So it's like, all right. That was kind of my question of like, do you feel like you were too much in one side of the ditch to the detriment of other areas in your life? But I've sat in a room uh, on a panel uh, with other amazing women. Oh my gosh. And uh, a very young like Cairo student asked how we, how we handle the emotional development while simultaneously like in so she was like as for advice for me starting out how do I balance like all of these like becoming a better person and deep things that we've talked about therapy uh, for the last 30 years and running a business and I felt terrible because I audibly laughed and I said like I didn't give a sh I could you get out and you hustle <laughs> like there's no room these conversations that you and I are having you know, at a certain point, you just need life experience to do it. Could you have, here's the question, could you have actually done it in your early 20s? Could you have found this point of equilibrium, of harmony and balance within your income and chiropractic profession and all of this, but then your relationships? Or is it a certain point you just have to go through life and that's how you find that middle of the road? You're full of great questions. Um, I think we have to experience it. Like from, I, I know I'll speak for myself personally. Like I have to embody failure or pain mm -hmm. in order to not do it again. Yep. You know, I can't borrow someone else's experience. I would have liked to have had someone like me as a coach, knowing that like, Hey dude, it's going to be okay. Like I, would I've you done have a heard lot it of, though? Would you have heard it? It depends on who it came from because I did. <laughs> it need, uh, I did. If it was I, me. I did, yeah, probably. Cause like, like I admire you, you know, like I've seen what you do and it's impressive and, you know, and not the success, like the, how you balance and your energy and how you use that. I don't know you well enough yet, but you know, like I, I intuit that, you know, you've got a balance there. So it, it really just depends. I've had mentors along the way who have said things, but I didn't listen to them. You know, some of them mm -hmm. I didn't listen to and some I did. So I, I've done a lot of my own work where I revisit myself as a child now as a, as a 
I say regulate, like a regulated adult. Mm -hmm. And I visit these parts and I'm there for myself when I needed way back when. And then even in these, these years in chiropractic, but there, there, there were certain years or decades that I had to hustle and grind. And I feel like I'm intelligent and capable enough. Had I had what I know now, like I would have put these things in my life because I see people doing it who are younger than me. You know, you're a millennial. I'm not right. And I see people in your generation, specifically men that I know in the field who are doing it, who are running a practice, maybe another company, having a solid relationship and putting time into it, not just on the outside. Right. Um, but they still you know? didn't do it by 24. Like, we're probably you know, not designed to do it by then. I don't, I don't right. think our and brain fully develops like, through think, 25. I think that... Um, Maybe if we learned about empathy, movement, posture, subluxation, and things like that in young in our youth versus like some of the useless shit that yeah. we're studying in, in school. Yeah. You know, I that, that like... may that may have ramped that may ramp us up, but I, there's a you know, there's it takes and then you take learn. and here's the other issue is um just making a generalization not from my own personal experience, from what like psychologists and like people who study ages. Okay. So this is not, this is not my opinion. This is what I've read is that it's coming back to the softening or the like soft softening as a society is that we've got the early twenties, like teenagers, early twenties, uh, not seeking as much discomfort. Okay. So like what we're talking about is like, yeah, you got to bump up against that guardrail and be like, Oh, lesson, lesson learned. That's why I asked like, would you could, would you have avoided the pain if somebody would have told you, hey, Brian, this is going to lead this way? Like if you're anything no, me, like me, I'd have been I'm, like, not me, I'm, I'm special. No, I mean, I'm dense. So yep. it takes it takes. I needed to learn. Experience. I needed to learn that painful lesson in order myself. to. But we have apparently, you know, a society that is avoiding pain. And so therefore is not experiencing these lessons and, you know, they talk about like social media therapy and they're like in the wokeism of just going like, oh, I'm healing my inner child. And it's like, you need to be making mistakes. Like you don't need to be worrying about your five-year-old self right now. You need to be going into life and making mistakes and failing well, and recovering. Actually like bringing that five-year-old child to a relationship or recognizing mm -hmm. when that five-year-old child comes out in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, we learn more about ourselves in relationship, platonic or romantic than mm -hmm. anything else. Versus sitting in there through, because I've done tons of therapy as well. And there comes a point where I'm like, okay, I got to bring this shit into action. Mm -hmm. Let me see how it works in my relationships. And I've done all different, all different types. You know, as a society, we do need to get back to our roots, like breathing, dancing, singing, tribal work, fire, nature. I, I'm, I feel like I'm a vestige, but I've, that's, that's part of my purpose. Like I see what's happening to the younger generation, the softening and there, there needs to be not just a softening, but a sharpening. I like that. And, you know, a level of surrender. You would ask what's the opposite of soft. And I would say hard. And that's a question that I've been kind of meaning to like insert, but I kept forgetting of like, but we're running away from hard. Like we became soft because we pointed at hard and was like, I don't want that. But it's not hard. It's, it's sharp. I love well, then, that. You know, you get you get stuck if it's too sharp, right? Like I'm I'm one who goes to my edges. Sometimes I've gone too far and the edges have pushed back and I've been injured emotionally or physically. But that's me, that's my lesson, but that's I'm still 
pushing edges emotionally, physically, athletically, you know, that's just who I am. And I'm always up for the challenge because that's what gets me into a flow state. That's what excites me. So I think, yeah, as a as general society, our, our generations do need that edginess, do need to push themselves a little bit harder. And they're, they're outliers for sure. Oh, yeah. I think, I think part of what we do in the chiropractic profession in, in moving us beyond back pain doctors is, is this, this essence, like what we're talking about here, helping people truly connect to what they are inside you know, through their bodies, like, an, mm -hmm. like we talked about, like embodied cognition, like, okay, my body is just as important as my brain is just as, you know, it's like these function together. And you as a chiropractor are bringing me back to my body so that I can use it as a tool to function more efficiently in life and mm -hmm. relationships. So I think, so this kind of final question I'll ask, um, I think I can easily see what role does femininity have? Shit. We never define what a feminist is. Okay, insert. Hopefully, I remember that. <laughs> Hopefully, I remember I was going with that question. That'll be in the in the second version. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I can see. I think society. It's very easy to see what role femininity and omega energy has going forward. How do we evolve? I think I, I like the word evolve more than heal. How do we progress? as an entire society over the next 20, 30 years, I can look and I go, look, listen, femininity in both genders has been absolutely squashed for the last 200 years. Yes, I can see femininity's role in helping us move forward. My question to you is what is masculinity's role in it? Like, how would you define masculinity in this 21st century? And at what imperative role does it have in progressing us as a society over the next 20, 30 years? Another awesome question. Thanks. Nobody's going to listen. It's just us. Yeah. It's just us. Nobody. I think, I think I'm going to speak for men. I wanted you who to. Want, who want to embody, <laughs> who want to embody the masculine essence has to come through their bodies first. And I'm not sure where this, where this will go, but I always think of like open heart, strong back. So like embody this open posture, not just because it's bad for text neck, but it's because, so we're the only species, bipedal species, right? We're bipedal and we have all of our organs exposed. Every other animal's on four legs and it's, its vital organs are protected. So intuitively we want to close. Mm -hmm. So men need to show that they can be physically open and symmetrical and that's that already creates more trust from a physiological nervous system perspective and then be more empathic in your listening ask more questions be more still breathe deeply i said be still but be still again i lied i have another question okay go ahead does that but that's that's what i think like Society the stillness of masculinity, recognizing yeah. from the that stillness as a masculine. And yes. things are always moving inside. Cells yeah. are, we know that, but like, can I be still? Can I breathe deeper so that it, I like, and men need to focus on like, am I trustworthy? Mm -hmm. Can you trust me? That's like the best thing that, that a female partner can say to me more than I love you. It's like, I trust you. I trust that you got this. Yeah, you yeah. are. Um, I trust. I feel I trust safe you in your can... presence. I mean, that's the most 
Yeah. That is the most evolutionary masculine, you know, and we tend to put it to finances, but it is, I, I feel safe. Um, all right. So my question is, and this is actually a question that I don't care. I don't think you're going to offend anybody except for men on this and you're a man. So it works out. You have talked about being in the body a lot. And then you even said like open heart, strong back. Do you feel that there is an essence of the physical working out, like literal strength, literal, like I can be a physical human, healthy body that is important in the true masculine experience. Like, and kind of combining like soft, like, you know, is in these things you go to these uh, spaces, are you talking about like, yeah, but also be fit and not because she's going to think your abs are sexy, bro. It's because that is a part of the masculine experience of being a strong, safe provider. And like in that process, like I've seen my husband and I'll share just the, I've seen my husband find so much of his true, because he leans Omega and where he has really found his true alpha and body is when he has started working out and lifting weights and he has become more connected with his body and that has helped his entire being like his spiritual being his whole everything so is that do you think important for men 100 it's funny because of where i came from from a chiropractic perspective because i was you know again a, a cbp doctor all about posture and looking at it more from this structural point but now i take all of that knowledge and integrate it with what I've learned about energy, what we've been talking about for the last hour. And I'm going to take it back to like, people ask me, why do you train? And, you know, to keep an open heart and a strong back. That's what I tell them. And to, and to run away from zombies or swim away from zombies. So there's like, there's always- I can that, defend my family. That factor's, that factor's just there for me. Say again? So I can defend my family. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's like, like I, and they trust why me. Why I right? have guns. But no. <laughs> there, there is, I believe like- I like, and it's also like, as a man, it's a perception, but I, th I think there is a level of control. Like if I lift heavier weights, I can watch my muscles grow. Mm -hmm. And many young men, like I have a son who started lifting weights and he's like, totally, he's 17, you know, he's super fit, always in the gym doing things, but you know, he does it for sports. He does it for look, but women do it too. But I think it's like that. I can do something and see a result. I think that's really important for just growth as a spiritual being is like to show that, okay, I can control my effort and my attitude. And those are, that's really all we can control. And uh, so, yes, I think there is space to pay attention to training for opening the heart and being able to be present and have that energy. Like there's more and more studies coming out of the electromagnetic field coming out of your heart. And if, it, and if it's compressed, there's less of a field available. It's so like you've walked into a room where you felt safe with a man, even if you don't know him, or you see him and you're like, wow, I just feel like this vibe, like this energy, and he's open, willing to ask me questions and not just talk about himself. You know, so like I, yeah, there's a space for training. And I and I believe it is in that, in that essence to evolve and know that it's okay. Like I feel safe in my own body and to expose my vital organs. Yeah. Oh man. I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. Part two, huh? Yep. Okay. So 
I I said that was going to be the last question, and then I asked you for more. Um, do you feel like it left anything untouched, or do you feel no, like we talked about well, we talked about polarity, we talked about burnout, we talked yeah. about Genesis, we talked about <laughs> you know uh, working smart and stacking things on top of grit. So I think we got a. I, I really hope the audience like I hope you all like really. Okay, but you like, wouldn't describe yourself as a feminist. As it. <laughs> I, how do, I, I look up the definition of feminism. I, Doesn't I it just know. mean you support women? I mean, I support women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, it was interesting. I was just surfing in Puerto Rico and I'm in these big waves and there's men and there's women out there, way more men. They're so aggressive and testosterone, testosterone like get off my wave or I'm going to like get out of here. These are big boy waves. Go home, boy. And then I, I'm meeting women out in the water and they're like harmonious and moving and fluid and flowing. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with the women here, like, you know, and it, like, and jive with the women surfers. And it's just, there's just more of a beauty to it. But, you know, I think the scales are a little tipped. And I even talked to a woman out in the water and she's like, yeah, I love surfing with women because they're more supportive and harmonious, but I'm, I'm going to take that energy, mm -hmm. right? That, that quote unquote feminine or mothering energy. We all have that. You know, and fathering energy, you can yeah. call it those things too. So there, there's a space for all of it. Wow. Love it. Okay. Uh, she Slayers, <laughs> if you liked this conversation, I would highly encourage you to go check out um, me on Genesis Nation's podcast that I will have a link for below. So you can go listen to Brian and I talking about similar, but very different things. Because um, that was a really good conversation too. This was good. Was. So it was. So thank you so much. So if, Brian. if we're delayed on the production end, it'll it'll come through. But some you, you can will find, find me on somewhere. Instagram or YouTube and and you know through Genesis and through myself as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All awesome right. conversation. Wait, can I wait before we say yeah. bye? Oh yeah. yeah. Am, I, she's, <laughs> am I a she's layer she's now? You are. You are. Yep. All right. Yeah, I had, oh, this is something I, I had to reconcile because I was literally like, do I is the name of my podcast? Do I have to change it? And like I'm the she. So like you're a she slayer because you agree with the message of the podcast. So I need a shirt now though. Um, I want a t-shirt. You got it. All right. Thanks, All right. Doc. Until next week, she slayers. Yes. Bye. <laughs>
Just go to get.sunlighten.com forward slash she slays or hit the link below to request your pricing guide. And fellow chiropractors, practice what you preach, invest in your health. Now let's get back to today's episode. When I ask other chiropractors what three things they need in order to be a successful practice, they say a table, an EHR, and an insight scanning system. I know for me, using scanning technologies was a game changer for my clinic. Once I started scanning, I had a clearer picture of a patient's health status and the ability to measure their progress over time. With the insight, I moved from just trying to treat symptoms to real care plans, and I could actually get patients to understand and sign on. CLA has made it easier than ever to get into scanning. They have affordable financing options and easy-to-use education tools that make scanning a no-brainer. So here's my theory. If you get an insight and then set aside seven minutes a day for seven days using CLA's online video training, you'll be communicating chiropractic with newfound confidence and certainty within a week. And a major bonus, you'll be able to amplify your social media presence by including neurological scan views and success stories that will attract a ton of patients and their families who are searching for the expert to manage their health and performance. If this sounds like something you'd like to know more about, go to insightcla.com forward slash she slays. You'll find lots of great information about scanning while reviewing the she slays preferred pricing deals. Yeah, I got you a deal. They'll also send you your free getting into scanning guide that includes a snapshot of CLA's training resources. Mm -hmm. 